Tonight on The Readout. Today represents a ringing endorsement for truth and for democracy. All hail Bran the Broken, first of his name, king of the Andals and the first men. Not since Game of Thrones have we seen such an anticlimactic ending. Late today, Dominion Voting Systems agreed to settle its defamation lawsuit against Fox, but there's very little reason to believe that Fox will change its ways anytime soon. Also tonight, Ralph Jarl's aunt joins me. He's the Missouri teen shot after approaching the wrong house. And now criminal charges have been filed against the man accused of shooting him. And Ron DeSantis is not done with his absurd war with his state's top employer, Disney, amid signs his presidential campaign is imploding before it even officially begins. But we begin tonight, we begin the readout tonight with a common game show dilemma, like on Wheel of Fortune. You know, if you can solve the puzzle, right? Do you do so and take the money in front of you, or do you spin the wheel for the chance to get more, but potentially lose it all? Today, Dominion Voting Systems decided to take the money in front of them, agreeing to settle their defamation lawsuit against Fox on what was both the first and the last day of what was supposed to be a blockbuster trial. And in the end, they opted to take less than half of the $1.6 billion they were seeking. The truth matters. Lies have consequences. Over two years ago, a torrent of lies swept Dominion and election officials across America into an alternative universe of conspiracy theories causing grievous harm to Dominion and the country. Today represents a ringing endorsement for truth and for democracy. Yeah, great win for democracy? I don't know about that. Because it's really not clear what, if anything, Fox will actually have to admit to its captive audience. In its response to the settlement, the network says, quote, we acknowledge the court's rulings finding certain claims about Dominion to be false. This settlement reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards. That's not a joke. They really said that. We are hopeful that our decision to resolve this dispute with Dominion amicably instead of in the acrimony of a divisive trial allows the country to move forward from these issues. Come on. Come on, that that response is literally the equivalent of, I'm sorry you feel that way. And don't expect to hear any apology coming on air over at Fox. Part of the story that was told was also about the damage done to our democracy. On that front, is there a forthcoming apology or acknowledgement that the lies about Dominion were broadcast knowingly and they were just that, lies? Well, Nicole... Yeah, an apology is about accountability, and we held them accountable today. That was our. We had two goals: we had accountability, and we had justice for our client, for Dominion, and, and we achieved both those. I, I think that the accountability is the important part of it, and that's what we achieved. Okay, so you got that. So not only does it appear that Fox has to do nothing more than sign over a smaller check to Dominion than it might have, it also might have dodged an even bigger bullet because, more importantly, they saved their stars from having to take the witness stand and answer questions about all those embarrassing texts and revelations that came out during the pretrial period. The risk was that Fox's captive audience would catch wind of what their favorite Fox stars actually think about their viewers and about Donald Trump. 
And how they didn't believe any of the horse manure about the 2020 election that they were shoveling at the Fox audience for more than two years. It also keeps 92-year-old Fox Corporation chairman Rupert Murdoch from having to testify, which is why not having to confirm all those texts and emails on the stand is definitely worth $787 million to Fox. In fact, I'm sure it would have been worth even more than that had Dominion held out a little longer, maybe even a cool billion. Joining me now, outside the courthouse in Wilmington, Delaware, is Katie Fang, MSNBC legal analyst and host of The Katie Fang Show, and Jim Rutenberg, writer at large for The New York Times. Both were in the courtroom today. And joining me here in the studio is Charles Coleman Jr., civil rights attorney, former Brooklyn prosecutor, and host of the Charles Coleman podcast. Thank you both for being here, all three of you for being here. I do want to go to the two of you, Katie and Jim. Um, Jim, give us some of the color uh, in the trial today, because it does seem that what I was reading, it was hot in the courtroom and it was a short hearing. I, well, uh, I'd certainly never been through anything like that. Um, other legal eagles in the room hadn't been through anything like this, where literally we were, the, the jury had been impaneled, the jury had been sworn in, uh, everyone's waiting in anticipation for these opening arguments, which were going to be, you know, both sides are saying they were going to be showstoppers. And literally, just as we're gathering for that first opening statement, uh, there's a pause. The judge disappears. Uh, the lawyers stay in the room, which was confusing. And, you know, this went on for hours until there was an announcement of a settlement. Uh, Katie, were you surprised at what the settlement was? I mean, they were originally asking for one point six billion dollars. And as part of that, uh, Dominion was claiming that the value of their company was something like of nine hundred something million, nine hundred twenty one million dollars in damages. That's what they had said the, the damage amount had been. They wind up settling for a lot less than that. Did that surprise you as somebody who's been watching this case so closely? No, we didn't talk. Well, no, listen, I mean, you go big or you go home, When you're, especially when you're a plaintiff in a commercial litigation case. You're going to want to make sure that you're going to claim the maximum amount of damages as you can. you got to bring the evidence to back it up. At the end of the day, according to Dominion's legal team, this amount of money not only makes their company whole, but actually satisfies what they needed to accomplish in this instance. You and I have spoken previously, Joy, about this idea of punitive damages. That was not going to be on the table when it came to a settlement. That was something that Dominion was going to ask the jury to return to basically tag Fox for its bad faith conduct. But speaking of bad faith conduct, this morning we had the judge actually sign an order appointing a special master, one who had been involved earlier in the discovery process in this litigation, to look into all of the discovery misconduct that had been done by Fox. In my opinion, that as well as I think a very strong jury in favor of Dominion finally pushed Fox to really come in good faith and settle this case. Let me ask you, Katie, does the special master now just go away? What happens with that? So interestingly, we would like to actually get some confirmation about this, but the judge can retain jurisdiction over what happens in this case. We would like to get some confirmation from Dominion whether or not this is something that's going to be pursued and whether or not the special master in this case will continue to investigate. Because frankly, Joy, that order was it had huge teeth to it. It basically gave a special master the ability to conduct his own investigation, to do as many depositions as he wanted to do of whomever he thought was actually, you know, related to this misconduct that was committed by Fox. And if it's not done, if it's not dead in the water because the case has now been settled, then Fox actually might have more and more disclosures that are going to come out than has already been out. Last point quickly before I go, Joy. We know that there were several redactions in what was pushed out into the public and that was publicly filed. 
I was looking forward to seeing that when this trial actually transpired because I wanted to see what Fox was continuing to hide. Unfortunately, at this juncture, because this trial is not going to happen over here in Delaware, we're not going to be able to see what was behind those redactions. Yeah, I can see why they would be willing to pay to not have them be seen. Charles Coleman Jr., let me come to you. Were you surprised by the settlement? I wasn't. I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know when and for how much. If anything, I am surprised that it took this long Mm -hmm. because Dominion had such a strong hand. All of the discovery that was getting out to the public, everything that we knew said to Fox, you do not want to try this case. Not necessarily for the money. The money is part of it, of course, but more so for the reputational damage in the field of media. You're talking about a media network, a media conglomerate that basically is being accused of and then substantiated by the evidence of lying repeatedly, knowingly telling falsehoods to your audience and doing so in a way that pretty much undermines your entire credibility. So I understood that this is where it was coming to, but I just didn't know when. So I'm not surprised by it. It's just the amount. Uh, Let's uh, play what Howard Kurtz said, because Howard Kurtz, you know, it's been interesting that Fox has been kind of avoiding just talking about it at all. And Howard Kurtz actually admitted that he's their media reporter. He did talk about it today. Let me play what he said. I do think the uh, statement I just read about acknowledging certain claims were wrong. This had to do with the idea that Dominion voting machines and former President Trump and his allies made this case on Fox and elsewhere uh, were somehow uh, stealing votes from Donald Trump and flipping them to Joe Biden. That's obviously false. Those were conspiracy theories. Uh, But the case would have revolved around, uh, you know, whether Fox had done due diligence, whether it was reckless, whether it was simply reporting as the network contends on an extremely newsworthy matter argued by by the former or then president of the United States himself. That, that, that's likely all that, dem- that, that the, the Fox audience is going to get. Whereas had there been a trial, it would have been a lot harder to shield Tucker Carlson on, on the stand saying, yeah, I said I hated Donald Trump uh, with, a, with a passion and that he was a demonic force. Well, there's a parallel that we see here between not only how Fox News has operated in this space, but also Donald Trump. And the parallel is the control of narrative. When you're talking about discovery in open court and something that's public and publicly released, you lose control of that narrative and you don't have the ability to basically dictate what the public knows and finds out versus what they don't. And by settling, Fox retains a certain control over that public narrative that they want. That's their playbook. That's their strategy. It's something that Donald Trump uses. It's something that they use back and forth. And so it's very consistent with the pattern of behavior that we've seen, they want to be able to control the narrative for their viewers so that they can say, well, we have a little bit of control over how much is out there that's going to cause us reputational damage. And, you know, Katie, in the past, Fox News has settled multiple cases before, lots of sexual harassment, uh, racial harassment cases, and we just have a few of them. I mean, they they settled the the British tabloid hacking scandal, $100 million, Gretchen Carlson sexual harassment suit, $20 million, Bill O'Reilly sexual harassment suit, $32 million, Uh, Julie Roginsky sexual harassment suit against Ailes Undisclosed, uh, sexual harassment. You can go on and on and on. The set, then the Seth Rich um, settlement too. Nothing has changed in their behavior after that, right? I mean, essentially, you, you we haven't seen any more sexual harassment cases, but we do have a new case coming up uh, by another female reporter who says that she and also the host that she worked for were bullied, mistreated because they were women. So it doesn't seem like a whole lot of change there. Um, and then, of course, you've got the Smartmatic suit where they're saying 2.7 million, the same thing was done to us. It seems to me that Fox News has successfully bought their way out of accountability before, and it seems like they did it again today. 
And that's no shocker, right? Because we've always talked about what type of judicial system exists and exactly how it favors the rich. But I think to your point, though, Smartmatic is knocking on the doors of the courthouse. Procedurally, we're in its infancy in terms of where we are in the litigation posture. They just successfully won on appeal, being able to keep in certain defendants. But Smartmatic is going to do its own discovery. And let me be clear, the discovery from this Dominion case is not exclusive to just the Dominion case. You're going to have this roadmap that's been created by Dominion voting systems to be able to provide somebody like Smartmatic the keys to the kingdom to say, this is what you need to be looking for and this is what you're going to find. But I want to adjust some expectations here. Smartmatic may be claiming more in damages, but Smartmatic was a small market share when it comes to this voting software. But we also have Abby Grossberg's litigation. We also have shareholder derivative lawsuits that we can't ignore that are also still being teed up. So Fox is going to spend some more time in court. But the big question is, will they now just settle to get out of it? And that, Jim Rutenberg, seems like the logical conclusion, right? If they're going to settle this one, and Dominion is far more of a known name among, you know, I can't imagine a conservative governor being able to sign a deal with Dominion voting systems with a lot of MAGA voters in their state. State, right. So they you can you can understand why they would uh, seek damages and the hedge fund that owns them would seek damages. Smartmatic, not as well known. So any sort of reporting out there about settlement talks going on uh, in advance uh, with Smartmatic, because that seems logical. That no news on settlement talks right now, but I think that that Fox has made itself clear it does not want to go through a process like this again. It's I assume it's not going to want to go through it with Smartmatic. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a settlement. I'm not hearing that there is any such thing underway right now. But, um, you know, we didn't hear about this one until (laughs) until uh, the jury was impaneled. So, you know, we'll see. They're just going to pay their way out of trouble. It is the way that the the super rich and big corporations roll uh, and they build it in as a cost of doing business. Katie Fang, Jim Rutenberg, Charles Coleman, Jr. Thank you all. And up next, Dominion's lead attorney, Justin Nelson, said today's settlement represents vindication and accountability. He will join me next. We'll be right back. More now on today's nearly $800 million settlement agreement between Fox and Dominion. Moments before opening statements were set to begin. Joining me now is Dominion Voting Systems lead attorney, Justin Nelson. Mr. Nelson, thank you for being here. Um, I, I guess I'll just ask you sort of the, the elephant in the room question. What would you say to those who are disappointed um, that Dominion didn't go to trial and get the full vindication of making Fox's lead anchors get on the stand and admit what they did to your company? Well, all along, Dominion has had really two goals in this, which is number one, accountability, and number two, to try to make the harm that Dominion has suffered to try to have some recompense for that. And we have succeeded, I think, wildly on both accounts. On the accountability point, Fox is paying north of three quarters of a billion dollars Uh, You have seen and the world has seen the internal texts and emails, the mountain of texts and emails, we think, that really show the actual malice, the knowledge that these were all lies. And that is really that accountability point that we were after. And from a harm perspective, Dominion and its employees have just suffered a tremendous, tremendous amount of harm. And Today really was a day of vindication. And of course, it's a little bittersweet because, of course, we would have liked to have seen the hosts take the stand and and others. But at the end of the day, 
what we really cared about was that accountability. And, and today we think we achieved it. Uh, you know, and I think I can agree with you. I think most people will agree with you on the second point. I mean, Dominion obviously was harmed. I was saying in an earlier in the earlier block, it's hard to imagine a red state governor uh, being willing to do business with Dominion based on what they were being told on Fox News. But on the first point that you made, uh, here's here. Here is my question. Um, if you don't get an on-air apology, and if Fox News doesn't correct what they said about Dominion to their own viewers, they may never know any of this happened. Because remember, we're here talking to you on Earth One. Earth Two is where Fox News and its audience live. They don't listen to this, what we're saying. They only hear what Fox News anchors tell them. So do you feel that it would have been important for you to get in this settlement that Fox News must tell their uh, audience in their own words, on their shows, that they lied about Dominion? What we felt was really important was the accountability aspect of it. And I think whatever else happens, you can't hide from paying nearly $800 million and having that in a public settlement. And so the message that I think this case really has shown is that we will hold people accountable for lies. And the civil litigation system can only do so much. What we have done is hold Fox accountable, and we intend to do so for the other six lawsuits that we have. We're not going to stop here. We believe it is so, so, so important to hold people accountable for the lies. And remember, this is the very first case across any of the cases about the 2020 election lies that has actually held somebody accountable. And that's why we think Today is really a great day for the truth and a great day for trying to set the record straight and, and to help promote this idea that we can disagree on issues, but we must have these shared facts together. Uh, has Dominion received an apology privately or will it receive one publicly from Fox and from News Corp? Well, yeah, you saw their statement today. And again, we thought Wasn't this was quite really apology. important <laughs> that... Well, they acknowledged that it was false and they acknowledged the summary judgment order that was talking about it. And so all we can control is what we can control. And from that perspective, what we think is we have taken this really to the point of showing what has happened, showing the world what happened behind the scenes, getting to a jury. We picked a jury today right before it settled. And we got to a point where, from Dominion's perspective, and Dominion and its employees, the uh, financial accountability was also there, especially at the number that was over three-quarters of a billion dollars. All right. Uh, Dominion Voting Systems lead attorney Justin Nelson, thank you for being here. Much appreciated. All right. Let's bring in Angelo Carasoni, president of Media Matters, and Tim O'Brien, MSNBC political analyst and senior executive editor of Bloomberg Opinion and, and a veteran of being involved in some very <laughs> uh, rakish lawsuits that, uh, with Donald Trump. What do you make of this settlement? And did you, uh, what, do you agree with what Mr. Nelson just said about this being accountability? Uh, it's a form of accountability if you're a lawyer. The question is, where do Americans go to get their constitution back and to get their faith in elections being cleanly run back? Yeah. That's still hanging out there. I don't think any of this is going to dissuade Fox from doing what it's always done, which has peddled disinformation, propaganda and lies as a business model, as a way of connecting itself to its audience. It's been doing that for a long time. Yeah. 
You know, after it settled the Seth Rich case, Fox apologized. They stopped using his name on air, mm-hmm. but they kept intimating, as Tucker, Car- Tucker Carlson kept doing, they kept intimating that there was a conspiracy behind his death. Um, so, in you know, they, they, they backed away from the substance of things that would land them in a defamation suit. Right. But they didn't back away from lying. Yeah. And they still are able to do what they did in the past, which is to undermine people's faith in the fact pattern, mm-hmm. undermine people's faith in elections, mm-hmm. and ultimately serve this larger problem that, that they've helped fo- voice upon the American public. Uh, Angela, let me read what you said. This is, I'm going to read you to yourself <laughs> about this lawsuit. You said, mm-hmm. uh, the stain uh, this leaves on Fox can't be wiped out with money. The network has been completely exposed as a partisan propaganda outlet that's willing to do anything for profit and power. But I might add to the end of your statement to the people on Earth One, because it does appear that in their own world that they've created, where their captive audience tells them what to do and tells them what they want them to say, and they simply say it, even if it's bananas, they're going to still be able to say whatever they want as long as they don't say the word dominion. Yes, I think that's right. And to your point, I mean, I can back that up. Actually, we looked at the first two months of the year um, and Fox News attacked elections 50 more than 50 times, almost almost half the time, 50 times um, where they said it was stolen. The Democrats are going to steal it in 2024. You can't trust it. To your point, though, the only thing they didn't do is they didn't say Dominion. Right. They didn't say any specific entity that was responsible, but they don't need to anymore because that narrative is there so they can just echo it. And you're right. I think that, you know, we call it a, a bubble for a reason. And what Fox didn't want to do here was burst that bubble. I mean, it would, it, that's where the reckoning comes in because they need that audience to be incredibly fervent um, so that they can not just exert political power, but also then leverage that audience for profit as well. For these cable contract renewals, which are happening right now, literally this month, um, they're renegotiating three of their major cable contracts, which is the major driver of their revenue. Um, you know, that's that's the dirty secret in all of this, is that Fox is, and Rupert Murdoch said it during his deposition, Fox was the only entity in the country that could correct the election lies that Donald Trump's people believe. They talked about this on January 5th. And I think to Justin's point earlier, there is a lot of good information that comes out. You know, I don't want to call it accountability, but I call it sunlight. It's up to all of us as to whether or not there'll be accountability. We get to decide that. But the sunlight is very important, that they're really the only ones that could burst the Fox bubble. And today they decided that paying, you know, $780 million was 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 easier than bursting the bubble. It was easier than putting um, Tucker Carlson at all on the stand, Tim. I mean, the reality is their business model is to continue to lie about democracy, to stoke hate and even violent rage. I mean, we are seeing January 6th defendants say they were radicalized by Fox News. Mm -hmm. You're seeing them constantly touting Black Lives Matter as some evil entity. And then voila, you have people who think they ought to shoot Black Lives Matter people or shoot at them. You have young black man go to a door and someone who we don't know what he watches on TV. But, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he was watching a lot of black people or violent thugs. And if the one comes to my door, I'm going to kill him. So you combine a lot of guns and a lot of people who are literally being radicalized by a television network. There is no incentive for them to stop doing it, because if they don't do it, Newsmax is out there. OANN is out there. You saw just the threat of those networks rising cause them to dig deeper and to double down on the big lie. 
Yeah, you know, the, 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 the foundational moment of this episode is the night of the 2020 election when Fox calls it for Arizona. The yeah. Trump family freaks out. They call Fox. They want it rolled back. Fox begins losing, losing viewership to other smaller conservative networks. It ended up getting that viewership back. But the real roots of this go back to Roger Ailes. This network is doing what it was built to do, yes. which is to take on American institutions of various stripes and find problems with every single one of them yep. and say that they're all in the service of the left or the radical left or liberals and they're out to do damage and they're out to take your freedom away. And this just reached its logical conclusion on January 6th, yeah. which is why every anchor on that network jumped aboard, even though they knew what they were peddling was false. And I think if this had gone to court, I think the Murdochs would have been confronted with having to throw some of those folks overboard. Yep. Tucker Carlson, Lori Ingram, Sean Hannity, because the ultimate goal would have been to protect Rupert Murdoch. That That's was right. why Fox was so eager to split Fox Corp off of Fox News as a defendant and why they didn't want Rupert Murdoch to go on the stand. And at the end of the day, it's Rupert Murdoch who's going to have to make some decisions in the wake of this that I don't think he's going to make. I don't think which he's is going to rein to. all this stuff in. Uh, there's no there's no business incentive to do it. I'll give you the last word, Angelo. Uh, do, do you expect, as I do, them to just go right back to business and build in the 787 million as a cost of doing business the way they did with the sexual harassment lawsuits? I worry. I think it's going to be worse. And here's my warning. Fox News is going to burn brighter and hotter because yeah. they don't have a choice. Right now, they need to shore up their audience. They're going to feed them the rarest of meat because they're going to try to reassert themselves. They've sort of been walking this fine line for a while. Yeah. And for the for, for the first time ever, they have a, their footing back. And so they're going to burn brighter and hotter. We need to be extra careful about that. Absolutely. Angela Carasoni, uh, Tim O'Brien, thank you both. Up next on The Readout, an 84-year-old man accused of shooting teenager Ralph Yarl, who showed up at the wrong address to pick up his little brothers, has turned himself into police in Kansas City, Missouri. Ralph's aunt and family attorney Ben Crump join me next. We're learning new details today about the horrific shooting in Missouri of a black teenager just for ringing the doorbell at the wrong house while going to pick up his younger brothers. The alleged shooter, 84-year-old Andrew Lester, is now in police custody, facing two felony charges for assault in the first degree and armed criminal action. The county prosecutor said there was a racial component to the shooting, but did not elaborate. The incident happened last Thursday when Lester allegedly fired at 16-year-old Ralph Jarl through a locked glass door, shooting him twice and telling him, quote, don't come back around here. He claims the teen was attempting to break in. Lester was briefly taken into custody Friday, but released hours later without being immediately charged. Jarl's family attorney says that after being shot, despite bleeding from a head wound, the teen managed to run, banging on the doors of at least three neighbors, begging for help. At the third home, a neighbor told Jarl to lie on the ground and put his hands in the air as if he was the perpetrator, not the victim. Ralph Jarl complied, and then he passed out. He was eventually taken to the hospital. Ralph Jarl is fortunately alive. He is now recovering at home, being cared for by his mom, who luckily is a nurse. Last night, he spoke on the phone with President Biden, who reaffirmed his commitment to fight gun violence and invited him to the White House. While today, students and faculty from his high school walked out in support of their classmate, chanting, we love you, Ralph, and justice for Ralph. Joining me now is Faith Spoonmore, Ralph's aunt, 
and Ben Crump, civil rights attorney and attorney for the Yarl family. Thank you um, for being here. Ms. Spoonmore, thank you so much. I have seen your uh, and reposted your interviews uh, on social media and on on television. Um, you are such an incredible advocate for your adorable, adorable nephew. Please tell us about him. What is he like? Oh, my gosh. Can we just take a second and just acknowledge how much love he's receiving? Because that is just beautiful. Yeah. Like seeing his school, that totally melted his heart, his heart today. Like, I can't even speak. Oh. Whew. Okay, Ralph. Ralph is doing really well. Ralph is doing really, really well. He's loving the love that he's getting from everyone. He is, of course, he's not back to Ralph, but he's alive and he's healthy. You're, he's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just overwhelming. It's overwhelming. I have to also ask um, how his little brothers are doing, his little twin brothers he went to go pick up, because this is a family trauma. How are they doing? They are very happy to still have Ralph. They really are. I remember when I went to pick them up from the hospital after the incident, there was a lot of but empty faith. He went for us kind of thing where they were internalizing it a lot. Yeah. And I just reassured them, like, it is not because of you, sweetie. This did not happen because he went to pick you up. That is not why it happened. It happened because of a very bad person. It had nothing to do with you. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And what was it like for Ralph to talk to the president? Oh, he loved every minute of it. He's one of those people who's like, no matter what is going on, he's always like, what is the big deal? You know, it's like, he's so humble. And when he was on the phone, he's like, it's the president. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) it is the president. So it was just like, it took him back, but it's hard to explain him because he was so chill about it. He laughed at his jokes. Yeah. Yeah. They had a great conversation. Well, we love having you, but I also want to play mama. Let me play mom. Uh, This is Cleo Nagbe, and I'm going to play what she had to say um, about her wonderful boy and how he's doing. Yeah. Yesterday, I talked to his pediatrician, and she said, so the CT said that there is just minimal uh, uh, uh." fragments of the bullet in his brain and I said yes and she's like how and I said I don't know how and she's like bless God and that's all I could say because if she doesn't understand how I don't understand how um, well, we, God, that's how, um, it, you know, Ben Crump, my friend, my brother, we, we come together to do this far too often but in this case, thank God this young boy is alive Talk to us about this neighborhood, because as infuriating as the gunshot was, the neighbor who put this boy on the ground as if he was a criminal rather than help a child. What is going on and what happened to the immediate arrest we were supposed to see uh, after so many incidents like this? Why did it take so long for that man to be arrested? You know, Joe, we all know it. It's two Americas. Uh and when it comes to justice, when black people get shot or brutalized and thank God for his aunt Faith, who went on social media and started making the case because they meant to sweep this under the rug. And people like Lee and Sean and I follow Faith's lead. And I, I want to say publicly to her 
you know, everybody should have a praying, fighting aunt like you, Faith, Amen. to make sure that they never marginalize our children. And I mean, he was marginalized by the shooter. He's marginalized by the neighbor who makes him put his hands out, even though he's been shot twice. And it goes to this sur scourge of gun violence, where people shoot first and ask questions later. What are we coming to in America when young people hit the wrong doorbell and you profile and shoot them? It happened to Ryan Modell in Florida. I mean, it's just happening far too often, Joy. And we got to love our children versus profiling our children. Yeah. I mean, who goes to the door with a gun in their hand because you don't recognize who is that? Who does that? What kind of a person does that? Why no hate crimes charge? And do you expect a hate crimes charge, Ben? Well, obviously, he talked to the president. Uh, don't know if the Department of Justice would look at it or not. Uh, but I know based on Missouri law, they felt that these were the highest charges they could give him. We don't know what those ratio uh, the components are yet that the prosecutor talked about. They keep saying there was a racial aspect to it. Well, we need to know that. And yeah. that would answer the question, yeah. Joy Reid, whether yeah. there should be hate yeah. crime charges brought. Faith, I'm going to give you the last word here. Did the police explain to you what they meant by racial component? Because that seems like a very murky thing to say when this is a young black child uh, and a, a white shooter. Yeah, there's a racial component. Did they make Were they more specific with the family? No, they were not. We had a meeting today and it was still just as blurry. Yeah, they attempted to explain it, but it was just as muddy. So, no. Well, um, Miss Faith, I agree. I, everybody should have a praying, fighting auntie like you. Uh, you have been a warrior for your nephew. You are how I know about this case, because I actually think I saw it on Ben's uh, 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 social media. But I was I saw you, sister. So God bless you, your family. Please tell mama that we uh, love this young man. If he's ever in New York, we want him to come to 30 Rock and take a tour. Or if he's in D.C., he can do it there. Um, what a great kid. I, I've heard so much about him from you. He's smart. Uh, he's wonderful. And he's going to be all right. God bless all of you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Faith Spoonmore and Ben Crump. Thank you both. Up next, Ron DeSantis kicks his war on Disney into overdrive in a feud that, let's just face it, nobody cares about. No, nobody. Back in a second. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was in Washington, D.C. today trying to stop the bleeding on what's left of his unofficial presidential campaign, which is going so well that he's ramping up his fight with the Walt Disney Company over its criticism of his don't say gay law. Now Ron is threatening new retribution. Maybe try to do more amusement uh, parks. Uh, someone even said, like, maybe you need another state prison. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Openly musing about building a prison next to your state's largest employer and top tourist attraction for daring to criticize your bigotry is exactly what you do if you're trying to appeal to the tiniest sliver of right wing voters and no one else. As for Disney, after DeSantis's press conference, the company announced a first of its kind LGBTQ event at Disneyland in opposite day Governor Gavin Newsom's California in June. But in his quest to run the most right-wing fascist primary campaign ever, DeSantis is throwing all the right-wing pudding at the wall with all three eaten fingers to see what sticks. 
His new immigration legislation is so draconian, Miami's Catholic archbishop slammed him for trying to criminalize empathy. And of course, DeSantis couldn't stay silent on the Fox fever dream battle against Bud Light. He's vowing to never again drink the two woke beer. Never. But DeSantis is running so far to the right. He's actually running overboard as he waits to jump into the race for no reason. Rolling Stone reports that his mega donor meltdown is growing in private. Wealthy donors asking what the F is wrong with Ron while he was on his publicity tour while Fort Lauderdale was underwater from flooding last week. As for the wildly unpopular six-week abortion ban that he pushed, you know, the one that requires rape and incest victims to show proof to get an exception, he certainly knows that that's a big political loser since he quietly signed it into law last week in the dead of night and didn't even mention it in a speech the following day. One top Republican donor told the Financial Times that he is halting plans to donate to DeSantis because of his extreme positions on book banning and abortion. When it comes to fighting his extremism, we'll talk to one person who knows how to take the fight directly to him. So much so that she even went to jail for protesting the abortion bill. Florida Democratic Party Chair Nikki Free joins me after the break. Florida governor and tin pot dictator in waiting Ron DeSantis is escalating his war on the Walt Disney Company to kickstart his still unannounced 2024 presidential campaign. And, you know, it's not going well. His Palm Beach constituent and main rival Donald Trump was dunking on him on social media for getting absolutely destroyed by Disney and pointing out the whole thing is an unnecessary stunt. You know, it's a dumpster fire when Donald Trump is a voice of reason. But any hoops, no longer in hiding, signing midnight abortion bills. DeSantis was in Washington, D.C. today begging Florida congressional Republicans to please pick me over the former president. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Join me now is Nikki Freed, chair of the Florida Democratic <laughs> Party. And, you know, uh, Nikki Freed, beyond begging uh, the, do- the the, the um, members of the delegation not to endorse Donald Trump, he's now got to face the Richie Riches kind of getting off the train. Former Goldman Sachs CEO Lloyd Blankfein tweeted, does this man have the temperament to be president? Disney's lucky he doesn't have the launch codes. Financial Times top Republican donor Thomas Petrify has soured on him because of his social issues stances on abortion and book banning. And he says, I have put myself on hold because of his stance on abortion and book banning. Myself and a bunch of friends are holding our powder dry. What's happened to poor Ron? (laughs) Uh, He's unraveling. You know, it's complete unravel. I mean, everything from being humiliated uh, with Disney outmaneuvered. uh, Now he's seeing members of of his own congressional delegation in Florida not getting his back. I think there was two more today, even after his D.C. trip uh, that have endorsed the the past president. And he just is, is throwing temper tantrums. He doesn't know where else to go. Uh, you know, he, he's, he felt like he had to go so far right in order to get to this MAGA base. And now he's even gone even further than that. And now he's no longer even electable to be prom president. And, and I think that's what's happening. He's throwing these temper tantrums. He's completely unraveling. And he's just saying things are just bizarre. Yeah. Um, but, you know, here we are. I mean, even his super fan, Byron Donalds, who's like whole sort of claim to fame other than apparently going to be speaker for some reason, uh, was being a fan of him. And he's like, no, nah, I'm with Donald Trump. Uh, let's be I guess if you don't, why not? Why endorse a fake version? We can get the real version. I want to talk about what's happening to your state. You got arrested um, protesting this six week abortion ban. DeSantis was initially pretty reticent about going to six weeks. He signed the 15 week one with a lot of fanfare. This one he signed it at, n- at night. Do you already see the backlash building about abortion in Florida? Yes, every everywhere I go. 
I mean, the reality is that 75% of Floridians didn't want this. We already just, just literally last year had the 15-week abortion ban that is still going through the courts. It's sitting in, in front of our Florida Supreme Court. And so this is extreme. People do not want this. And, and I and he knows it. I mean, he did this at the, the middle of the night. And worse that most people don't know is that when he got done, he flew his helicopter, though, over the area where a lot of us have been sleeping, camping out, protesting this. So we flew it over there three times, almost kind of like a to, to the people that have been protesting this. But we're seeing the backlash. Even the most staunch Republicans are saying that is too much. He is yeah. going too far. He's got to be stopped. You know, Florida is known mostly for Disney and beaches mm -hmm. and vacation spring break type of vacations. How does Florida move forward as a tourism friendly state if abortion is banned, if people are afraid? I know friends that are like that. My kids ain't going to college there. If, you know, God forbid, yep. if they're raped, if something happens, you have to somehow prove you were raped to the sufficiency of, of, of Don DeSantis to get an abortion. Now that it is an anti-abortion state and Disney is under fire, how is it not, how is it different, like tonally from Mississippi? Or, you know, I'm not sure how it remains yeah. Florida. Yeah, and, and that's part of the issue that I've been talking about. And I'm sure you all saw that he actually made a comment earlier this week or a lot of part of last week saying that there was no Florida pride until he became governor. <laughs> and that is the most, again, weirdest thing that I can ever think of a governor saying that, that the people of our state have had no pride. Look, here's the deal. Florida has always been more of a libertarian state, to your point. People come to the beaches, people hang out in Key West, they go to Gasparilla. Um, they just do their thing. And what he's doing is a, a shock to the culture of our state. We are not part of the South. You know, maybe the, the, the northern part of our state has always been deemed as kind of more uh, of a southern mentality. Um, but the central and south part of our states have, have not. And so what he's doing is he's, he's not only shifting this, the culture of our state, but doing Doing it in such an extreme manner that it's going to have backlash, but it's also not going to just be backlash on him. He would not have been able to succeed in all of these proposals if the Republican legislature would have stood up to him, would have done yeah. something to tell him that this is not good enough. They all just completely have bowed out. Um, and kissing the ring to the expense of the people of our I, state. I'm not sure that international visitors are going to be excited about the idea of coming to a state that has unleashed unlicensed handguns everywhere. So guns everywhere. Abortion is banned. And he's fighting with Disney, but he already got beat by the Disney princess. Harry and mm -hmm. Meghan's daughter controls the fate of Disney now. Ron, that has to really hurt his spirit the most, probably of all. <laughs> Very quickly, how is Fort Lauderdale doing? Because he didn't pay attention to the flooding there either. Yep, I was here today, and unfortunately, Ron still has not been down here. I mean, yeah. Fort Lauderdale, Broward County is strong, and everybody's going to be okay. But of course, you know, we've got a property insurance yeah. disaster that has already been in the making, and this is only going to make it worse. It's just going to make it worse. Nikki Freed, thank you very much. That is tonight's readout.